Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to the Football Digest podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. It's normally a uh, a wonderful quartet, but today it's a, it's a terrific trio. So you've got me, John Cross, Andy Dunn, my colleague from the Daily Mirror, Jeremy Cross from the Daily Star. Hello, guys. Nice to be with you. And we were all together at the Emirates as well last night, weren't we? So it was um, it was uh, a very interesting game in the title race. I'm sure we'll kick we'll, we'll kick off with the title race, but also perhaps the uh, have a look back at the Champions League and the return to European action, and then I look forward also to the Premier League um, weekend um, as well. There's been lots of uh, Stories. I kind of want to, you know, I want to have a little look at whether Graham Potter and his kind of anger or lack of it basically is is the right thing to do. And I'm sure it'll be uh, it'll be a big big games, isn't there? Newcastle Liverpool this week, and Liverpool force their way back in. Um, but let's start with Arsenal Man City um, guys, and you know, I mean, it felt like a real moment to me in the title race simply because City reclaimed top spot. Arsenal one point from the last three games. Serious setback really for for Arteta and, and his title hopes. Uh, Andy, what did you what did you make of it and where do you think it, it leaves the title race now? Well, it, it leaves it I mean it literally leaves it in City's hands, obviously. Um, you know, they win every game from now on in, unlikely as that is, they they win the title. Um, psychologically, it's a big boost for them, clearly. You know, you can see the way they reacted at the end. They, they, they thought it was, you know, particularly significant, and it was particularly significant. What I would say is that I've actually, that's the third consecutive Arsenal game I've I've covered. I covered their defeat at Goodison Park, their draw against Brentford on Saturday, and, of course, last night. And oddly enough, that was the best they played by some distance in those three games, you know, even though they were without Thomas Party, you know, he was a big miss, but that's the best they've played. They were terrible at Goodison Park. They were much better, although that was overshadowed by the VAR controversy. They were much better against Brentford. Brentford deserved that point. Everton deserved their win. City probably deserved their win last night on their second half performance, but I think there was something in what Arteta said that, you know, there's mistakes of varying degrees for the three goals. Obviously, the first one was a real howler um, from Tomiyasu. Um, and then there was mistakes in the build-ups to Jack Rose's goal and to Erlen Haaland's um, the third for City. So I think Arteta can actually take heart from that. You know, it, it, if they play like they did against City with that intensity, um, that ferocity, you know, they should get back on the winning trail. You know, it's crucial, they absolutely crucial to get back on it on on Saturday at Villa. But you can't see Manchester City slipping up way of Forest on Saturday. You look at City now and the performance, the first half performance, um, certainly um, against Villa um, on Sunday and the second half performance against um, Arsenal um, last night. I mean, that was, you know, that that was, I mean, that that's, I wouldn't say vintage City, but the City that we all have got to know over the last five years. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're relentless. They're not particularly hampered by any any crucial injuries right now. You know, bits and bobs go around, but nothing serious. Formidable bench. I mean, any team that can bring Phil Foden on, you know, as a late replacement for Jack Grealish, you know, Calvin Phillips, £45 million player, they can bring them on. 
they've got incredible strength and depth. And I don't think you can. I, w- I just wonder if Pep has might finish sort of just just being a bit too tricky. He was last night when he paid Bernardo Silva essentially as an auxiliary left back in parts. Um, he has been in, in in games where he's been playing Rico Lewis in that in that odd midfield role. I just wonder now if he, if if he turns around and thinks actually you know let's turn to the guys who've who've done it year in year out you, you know and I just look at their squad and I just don't see over their remaining fifteen games where they're going to drop many points from. I don't think they'll win all fifteen, um, but I do wonder now where City will drop points from. I think you know I mean Haaland, I mean that was a big game for him. He he, he sees more fired up than ever. Um, and they've been there, done it, John. That's the thing. You know, I don't think sometimes you put too much store on the idea, well, we've got the psychological fans because we've done it before, and Arsenal haven't because they're essentially a young team, a young squad of players who are all challenging as a unit for their first Premier League title. But I think in this case, it is a difference, you know, and it wouldn't be any surprise if it was, you know, Manchester United actually breathing down Arsenal's necks now and they became challenges to City as well as Arsenal. But City hold on. So yes, in terms of overall, hugely significant results. Um, you know, and listen, in, in they've they've led from the front before, haven't they? On many times, they've led from the front before and not let up. I mean, think about how Liverpool chased and chased and chased and chased last season, and they just kept keeping ahead, even to the extent where they even they were overtaken with twenty minutes to go of a match and and won the title in those last twenty minutes. Yeah, Jeremy, do you, do you see City as red hot favourites now? Yeah, I do. I mean, Andy's covered all bases there, really. But the key point is, Wandy just said that City got so many proven winners in that team and that squad. You know, big, big players who won league titles before. Um, and that experience is so invaluable when you get to the final few months of the season and you look at the Arsenal team and what? And it, 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 the team has come on leaps and bounds this season under our session. They're obviously going to go places and win things in the future. But they just lack that know how of how to get the job done I think um, when it comes to the crunch um, you know the miss party last night he was a big miss you know since you've got players like De Bruyne and Rod- Rodri and Gundogan you know they've seen, uh, seen it all done it all before so you have to put them as favourites now and you know they've still got to play Arsenal in April I mean whether Arsenal will still be in second place come, come April who knows but um Arsenal showed in the first half, especially last night, that what a great team they are. You know, they went toe-to-toe with City and outplayed them in the first half. Guardiola got his tactics wrong, I think, with the formation he picked. Um, And, um, you know, you just think, in terms of looking at it from Arsenal's point of view, what a great opportunity that was last night to put some space between them and City. You know, it could have been been six points with the game in hand and would have put them in a different conversation today. Um, but it wasn't to be, you know, and City were clinical in the second half. I thought City bullied Arsenal and Haaland was a real menace all that long and got the goal at the end there. So it was a, you know, slightly flattering result for City, but they're just so good when it comes to the final few months of the season and just the relentless, you know, they they just know how to do it. That's the difference between them and the rest of the Premier League, basically. Yeah, it is, yeah. I must say, I, th- I thought Arsenal were you know, maybe arguably edged the first half, you know, in terms of before, you know, it was a tight first half, wasn't it? And you know, the way Arsenal came back after that catastrophic mistake by 
Tomiyasu was 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 really quite impressive. I thought, but then <laughs> City, I just thought, fabulous second half. Weren't they? they showed what they showed what they're about. Their class in bossing the game. You know, really, they were the they dominated the second half. In in, in while as compared to Arsenal, sort of maybe arguably shading stuff. And I just thought. The second half showed the golf really between the clubs at, at the moment. Albeit Arsenal have got a few injuries, haven't they? But I do think the City. De Bruyne, I thought he played bull in the first half last night. He gave some, made some sloppy passes. Chelsea didn't like him, and he's always been pretty average this season. De Bruyne, you know, he's still suffering a hangover from the World Cup. He had a difficult World Cup with Belgium, obviously, and he's not really been the player we know he can be since then, or even before the World Cup. Second half last night, I thought when he needed to, when they needed him, he really stood up. And if he can keep playing like that between now and then, I know it's a big ask because you can't, you can't play and skin every week. But if he can find his best form between now and May, I think it's the writing's on the wall for the rest. I think City will win it. And, 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 you know, and do you know what a big difference was? I mean, and an obvious difference last night, particularly in the second half. I mean, City played a different type of game, don't they? I mean, do we believe, do we believe these possession figures? In general, who does the possession figures? By the way, I mean, I, when you read that City had thirty-six, I mean, City thirty-six percent possession. When have they ever had thirty-six percent? There's thirty-six point four percent possession. I mean, I know they didn't have as much as they usually did, but I'm thinking, you know, someone's got, you know, someone's got a summer wrong here, or someone, or some, someone's not watching. Andy, it's fascinating you say that because my overriding memory, memory of the game last night, well, particularly in the second half, was Arsenal sort of kind of pinned back. Well, City were trying to sort of find angles, and and yes, they sort of kind of the the, the goals were almost counter-attacking goals. But City, in my view, dominated that second half and dominated possession. Honestly, mate, I, it's it's a big thing. Mate. I mean, for the for the start off, for the start off, Edison had possession of the ball for about half an hour, didn't he? That's why he got booked. I mean, I shouldn't even stood there with it for ten minutes. That's got to be. And I've got I've got a big thing about this, right? You, you know, is is there is there Stuff like that, possession. Hawkeye as well, it's another one of mine. We just, I mean, we believe the technology. You say it's done by technology, so we have to believe the technology. That's it. Who does the technology on the technology? Why is Hawkeye always right? Yeah. Is it right? No. Do the tennis players who say, well, you know, you know, you draw a line, like with the cricket ball, bounces, and, and there's a line drawn where it's going to go. How do they really know where it's going to go? Tell you what, in cricket, in cricket, Dunny, the Hawkeye is just—it's the be all and end all, isn't it? When it comes to like LBW decisions and stuff like that, it's, honestly, there are some tennis, there are some tennis, there are some tennis players who, who really aren't having Hawkeye at all. Like who Hawkeye's Hawkeye? They're saying like, you know, you, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, and and but what I'm trying to say is, that, uh, I mean, I'll come on to that in a minute. But yeah, it's a big thing. But I didn't, I didn't read it as a sixty. 36% possession game last night, but obviously that's what stats say. But what? But there was a change in the way City played to a, to a certain extent. They didn't... I thought they were a bit more direct. They bypassed the midfield a little bit, particularly in the first half. I actually thought they went a lot more direct to Haaland. Um, and the second half, they were more direct, but a little bit sort of like with shorter passes. I think they didn't. they didn't have possession... Um, as much as they normally do in that midfield area. Hence why maybe De Bruyne wasn't as effective, even though he scored that brilliant goal and a brilliant assist as well. But I think they were a bit more direct. And there is the difference between the two sides in a way yesterday. An, an obvious difference was the difference between 
Erling Haaland and Eddie Nketiah, you know, who I like a lot, you know, but missed that chance in the first half, missed the chance in the second half. And City, on top of everything else, I know there's a load of discussion about Haaland, but in the second half last night, I thought he played a really good conventional number nine's game. He drew the defenders all over, all across the back line. He gave them a ton of time. He won a penalty that obviously then got overturned because of an offside decision. He gave, he never gave them a moment's peace. He created space for the players and then he got his goal. And, you know, if you've got that, 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 that weapon up, up top, which also happens and, you know, Jesus is injured and you think, well, that's the area, you know, you bear in mind now they've scored two goals in, in in those in those three games when they when they haven't haven't won and they, that's clearly an issue like like with all teams you know it's not rocket science that's that that's an area that will be a difference um, in in the rest of the season of course if something happens to Haaland, um, Pep can change a bit and bring in um, a World Cup winner in, in, in Julian Alvarez. Yeah, Jeremy, I mean the um, question is now for Arsenal. I, I guess the wider question is. Are, are any other teams involved in the title race? Guardiola insisting it's not just Arsenal sitting in the, in the race now. And I guess, you know, do United creep into it? But also for Arsenal, I mean, it is a wretched run. They go, it's a Saturday lunchtime kickoff. The fixtures have not been kind on this one. And then basically, you know, uh, what's, what's the prime? What, what is the story now for Arsenal? Is it, is it still trying to get back into the title race, stay in the title race, or, or, or kind of just stay in the top four? I mean, look, they, they, they're level on points with City and, and they've got a game in hand. So, in theory, you could flip it and say, well, they win every game between now and the end of the season, they'll be champions. I mean, you wouldn't expect any players to come out after that game last night and say, well, you know, we need to consolidate and make sure we're finishing top four. We should be thinking, let's finish top. I mean, look, you've got to remember, Arteta is in it, still a relatively inexperienced manager. No one expected Arsenal to be in this position come the middle of February, you know, joint top of the table. And, um, you know, they probably had a schedule other under Arteta in terms of how long he's been the manager. Um, I didn't think they'd be anywhere near the title race this season. I don't think you might disagree, but, and, you know, it's a group of, it's a year of very vibrant young team lacking experience being managed by a manager who's never managed a team challenging for a title so put those two together and you think well they're probably going to come up a bit short and maybe they'll learn some valuable lessons for the future seasons under Arteta yeah they're basically need a win no they've had a blip every team has a blip City haven't been in full stride this season by any stretch of the imagination Win two or three, you lose a couple, you know. Um, Their biggest winning streak is three games in a row in the Premier League. Yeah, they have hung around basically, haven't they? Arsenal got all the plaudits. City basically relied on Ireland's goals to keep them on the coattails of Arsenal. Now you just think they're going to they're going to go into fifth gear, cruise and lay with it. But look, you look at Arsenal's next games because they play Villa on Saturday, then we've got Leicester, and Everton, and Bournemouth. So in theory. They will start favourites to win all four of those games. And, you know, who knows? By If they do, that's 12 points. It could be back, on the, back at the top. Do you, um, okay, uh, John, did, uh, did, you, did you think, maybe it's just me sat in the press conference last night, but I thought Arteta threw his players under the bus a little bit, really, by heaping all the blame on them. 
you know, for individual mistakes. He said he wasn't particularly sympathetic to Tommy Yasu and, um, and, you know, basically said, we gave them the game, we threw it away. Um, oh, I just, I, maybe it's just me, but I just got the impression, I mean, he was particularly downcast last night. He wasn't, he, he, he wasn't, I, he said the right things in terms of the performance was good and, you know, we've got to, you know, we go again type thing. I just thought he was a little bit, a little bit critical of his players when maybe he didn't have to be, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. And I'm not sure on the balance of play overall, they actually did throw it away. I think City would have found a way to win. You know, really, they were a stronger team. You know, you know, they were a stronger team. I mean, I mean, and I think Arsenal fans, the Arsenal fans, fired up bastards. You know, I mean, pretty much admitting that. They? You, you know, you see that they're the champions. They, 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 they are what they are. So I just think that, and I think that's just one thing that just, just a little bit of a, a sort of a, 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 a false step from Arteta. I think putting too much blame on the players for individual mistakes last night, and 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 not maybe just focusing. On the positives, but I guess it's hard to focus on a positive when, if you think they've had a run of three games, Everton, Brentford, City, and they've taken one point from those three games, when they would expect somehow to take a minimum four, maybe possibly six, you know, a dream nine, but 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 you know, so in, in a way, they know they've dropped probably five points in, in essence over those three games, and you know, it wasn't that long ago. Again, no matter what you say, it must be in your head. It wasn't that long ago that there was an eight-point gap. Middle last month. Oh well, I mean, listen. In the space of eleven days, they've missed the chance to go eight points clear, and and, and in the process, now find themselves set. And out to the FA Cup, you, you, you know, I mean, I mean, losing again. I'm not as I'm not as keen on a lot of people on this idea of, of momentum, but you know that it, it all chips in, doesn't it? If you, you know, they're now four without a win, including the FA Cup. Another defeat to City, you know, and really, I mean, that's another thing, isn't it? On that individual head-to-head rivalry, I mean, you know, City must get to keep them soon, mustn't they? Put them on the mantelpiece. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's have a little look at the Champions League, really, because, uh, you know, I mean, we were obviously at the... Um, uh, Arsenal City game last night, but uh, you know uh, Chelsea lose in Dortmund, but then also perhaps overtaken by you know Tottenham lost narrowly one nil in Milan on Tuesday, which I have to say is very average Milan team by their incredibly high standards of the past, and so I I, I actually think that Spurs will overturn that. I didn't think there was too much to worry Spurs in the second leg, but you know more news on Conte this morning is that basically. He's going to stay behind his family home in Italy to to kind of continue his recovery, if you like. So he's been back for a couple of games and then basically, you know, he's obviously decided to stay away. I have to say, I was in Milan and at the pre-match press conference, he looked white as a sheet. A couple of the, a couple of the guys didn't agree with me and sort of said, it looked absolutely fine, but I didn't see it like that. I don't think he's his normal self. You 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 know, you, you, you guys all know, I, I, I worship him. I think he's a fabulous man. He's an incredible uh, individual. But I did, you know, I just don't think he's himself. And it was less than two weeks after, you know, emergency surgery. It's crazy, I, I, absolutely crazy. I cannot believe he 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 came back that quickly. Well, I can because I guess that's not just the nature of of Antonio Conte. That's probably the nature of of, of all you know top top managers. They're driven. They're incredibly driven. You know, they're they're driven to the point of of, of you know, I mean, being over the top in that sense. Absolutely committed. These guys are working twenty four seven. 
you, you know, anyone just thinks they rock up and pick a team. It's their life. It's their passion. The reason why they're at the very top is because they go that extra mile. So I understand why you come back. And again, I mean, I, this isn't being critical of Spurs, but, you know, I can't believe someone there didn't say to him, you know, listen, and they probably, maybe they did, and, and he's ignored them. I suspect that's what's happened. Because someone at Spurs should surely have said to him, listen, you just had this done. You don't come back. Within, in, we, we all know, we've known people who've had that procedure. We know the recovery period is a lot longer than a couple of weeks. And, you know, I, I feel really sorry for him. And I hope now he gets the rest, you know, he deserves and takes his time. Because after all, you, you know, if, you're, if you've been in a club for a while, you can't afford to, to, to be away from it. It tends to run itself a little bit, didn't it? As was shown by the result they got when he wasn't there. So, you know, I just, I, I just think that's, you know, as I, I just think, I hope that he, he gets himself better now because he came back far too quickly, far too quickly. The worry will be, Crossing, is that he's, he's obviously been working out of schedule and he shouldn't have, and he's maybe had a setback and, you know, it might take him even longer to get to that point now where he's fully fit and operational. That'd be the big fear for Tom because obviously we're heading towards March now and time is not on their side or his side. And they've got it sniffing in the top four. Well, absolutely. You know, they sort of have played the game more. I think there's sort of a couple of points behind, but you know, the top four is still within their grasp. They're still in the FA as I still think that they'll turn that tie around and reach the quarterfinals in the Champions League. You know, everything that Spurs did last season, they can absolutely repeat this season. And then you have to say that's good. You know, that that's a good turnaround for Conte, really. I mean, you know, it was it was funny, really, because the sort of the pre-match thing. I mean, you, you reminded of just how he's viewed in Italy. I mean, serious senior Italian journalists, and it probably doesn't even reflect that well on them. But at the end of the press conference, you know, they, they dominated all the questions we we got in about four, and basically, literally, you had guys from the Gazetta going up and having selfies with Conte. <laughs> he left the room. It's just mad. He's like a god in Italy, an absolute god. And fair play, you know, when you consider what he's done. But wow. I suppose when you look at the English football, we've got so many big personalities and we've got Klopp, Guardiola, Tenag's now emerging. It's easy to overlook the fact that we're really privileged to have somebody like Conte working in English football for, you know, for a second time, obviously, because he's obviously been at Chelsea. But, you know, it's interesting when you say that, though, because, you know, too much you want of us lot doing that with someone. Yeah, it's not, I have to say, it's not something I particularly approve of. I mean, it certainly caused a maybe it's a different thing, in, you know. Different. Was he applauded out of the room? <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, it was astonishing, really. Have you ever had a selfie with Arsene? <laughs> no, have I hell? That'd be ridiculous. No, I did give him a, I, did, I did make a presentation, gave him a huge bottle of wine when he. After he can, after he um, finished his final final press conference, but I have to say that was after about about, about twenty odd years of him putting on with me. You had a little selfie with Ronaldo in Qatar, though, didn't you? <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. See, Jesse, what wasn't there a cake could give it out at one press conference at United? Who was that? Yeah, I think there was a cake given to Van Gaal for his for one of his milestone birthdays. Well, that always caused much amusement, didn't it? Because didn't that get, you know, didn't it cause one of our dear colleagues, you know, give him a kick, give him a kick. And, um, and uh, you know, I do, I do think there was a story, wasn't there, about Harry Redknapp being given a, given a cake. 
um, which always caused caused amusement. I wasn't there, but I think there was a story about him and being applauded out the room. And of course, as we all know, Eddie Howe was applauded out the room uh, at the back end of last season for the amazing for the amazing things that he done. <laughs> I have to say, I also remember. I think when England beat Germany, I was when England beat Germany in Munich in whenever it was two thousand and one. 5-1, uh, even Esky scored 5-1 in um, 2001. I think um, Sven got applauded. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 have to say I didn't applaud him. I, I know that, but um, but I, I think Sven got applauded. Gosh, just going back to you, I'm seeing Milan in the week. Did, did, was that a half-decent result for Tom? Do you think we'll overturn that in the... Um... Yeah, I don't need it. I mean, listen, I don't, you know, Milan aren't great. I mean, I have to say, I thought Hernandez was good down the left-hand side. Lau was their best, you know, player by some distance. I'm sure he'll be in the Premier League within, you know, a few months. He'll probably move, big money move. He's a good player in blimey. Um, um, and look, Tottenham were very much, in, yeah, very much in control of the game. You know, they're skipping Siren Central midfield. The two boys did really, really well, bearing in mind they're short of players. Um uh, they didn't create very much, I have to say. that That's the issue. Son is not playing well at all. I just don't know how he keeps his place. Doesn't really deserve to. Uh, you know, Kane got a battering, an absolute battering from Simon Kjart, the um, Denmark, you know, player who plays in central defence for Milan. And it's quite funny, we were talking to Kane in the mix zone and Kjart walked past and Dave Heitner, that old... Well, exactly, Dave Heitner, that old wag from the Guardian, did say to Harry, and Harry was in good form in good spirits. I'd be like, yeah, he said, blimey, you better watch out. And he died. <laughs> well, no, you better watch out, Harry, otherwise he'll come straight through the back of you again, which Harry did find quite amusing. But, um, it, 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 you know, it was, um, I just didn't think there was anything there to worry about. And I think that, you know, I mean, Violi has done a super job at Milan, bearing in mind he's, well, they won the title last season. With a, with a you know a squad which is certainly maximising the best out of which shall I say like that to be to be gone. yeah 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 I mean the midfield now I mean Hoiberg was suspended in the week so he obviously comes back but I mean you know they are short they're really short anyway listen let's talk about press conferences and sort of kind of you know it was um, interesting to see Graham Potter and I'm sure his mood won't won't have been improved by last night's result um. But my great friend, Andy Dillon from The Sun, who is the, often the king of the press conference quip or quirky press conference question, um, did ask um, Graham Potter, you know, what on earth makes you angry? And I did say to Andy, I'm sure you were pleading in, in your own head, basically, for a quirky, silly, jokey, jokey answer about something about his wife not putting the bins out or something like that, really, which he certainly didn't get because Potter actually went on a quite a serious rant, didn't he, and said, do you really think that I can get as far as in the game without losing my temper? It was all about, all about, wasn't it, how he came, kind of kept his cool and didn't lose it with the, with the ref after not being given a late penalty um, when VAR didn't intervene at West Ham last week. But, I really, I, let me ask this by saying that I really like Potter and his manner. And I think that's obviously why Chelsea, one of the reasons that Chelsea, you hired him for his cool head. But, you know, 
Is his, is his conduct right? I mean, him saying that basically the grassroots, you know, everything that happens at the top level is, is re, you know, replicated at grassroots, have a bit more respect for grassroots referee. And I felt like standing up and giving them a round of applause. I thought that was terrific. Absolutely terrific. Yeah, it's totally right, you know, John. Look, Graham Potter is wired up how he's wired up. He's a very calm individual. I mean, Mikel Arteta is the exact opposite. He rants and raves all the time. And he's been called out for that by numerous people. You can't, Potter probably thinks, you know, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. You know, if I act like an idiot, then I'll get criticised. And now I'm, you know, I don't act like an idiot. And he acts with a lot of decorum and class, actually, I think, um, in, in the face of what's been a really, really tough start from at Chelsea. Um, and fair play to him. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah. Does he turn it around, Andy? I don't know. I mean, I, I think I'm probably in, I'm in the same boat as you in it. In it, I really, really, really hope that he does. You know, I like him a lot. And I think I, I, about I, everything that, that Jeremy just said there and said before. Then John, I totally agree with you. You know, you, you know, you know my beef. I've done column after column about the, these touchline antics of it, at the forefront of those. You know, the two men that we've lionized and and acclaimed over these past five or six years, Klopp and Guardiola. You know, I think the way They've got away with, 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 with some with, with, with inexcusable behaviour um, in the technical area, and that's spread now to the likes of Arteta and to various number twos up and down the line. By the way, as well, don't 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 forget those the likes of Tindall at, at Newcastle um, United. Um, but yes, yeah, so so I, I I think I think Potter strikes a great blow. I mean, what what's he supposed to say? You, you know about the um, about the penalty that the should should have, should have been West Ham. You know, you pointing, ranting, and raving. Yeah. I, I found it staggering that, that you know on most of the day they were saying why didn't he lose some temp hey by the way there's, there's a whole broader issue here as well is it is it putting the whole game into perspective of, 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 you know into the perspective of what's happening in this country and around the world at the moment so like you know I mean I know that sounds a bit of a you know football is an escape but still let's have a bit of perspective like you know a, a guy got a decision wrong and, and, and Potter and he can't do anything about it you know but we don't re-referee games to the extent where you know, I, I heard someone call a radio station. I was driving the car, and, and and you know, you get some zany things, right? And and this guy was saying, well, like you know, they should, you know, re-referee the games and then give the points accordingly. In other words, they should chalk off Brentford's goal two days after, and Arsenal should now get the three points. You know, I mean, that one sad, dangerous precedent, would it? And George W. Bush, that all a dangerous precedent. Anything but, 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 it just. It's 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 ridiculous. The idea, you, 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 um, you Cotter can't do anything about it. You, you know, he, he could Ranskin Ravi is not going to do him any good. So I hope I think he sets a brilliant example. I think he conducts himself brilliantly. Um, I think by the way, you know, the where he's got to now from where he began, the journey he took to get to Chelsea, I think is 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 fantastic. It shows that it shows you know he's quite right. It shows a determination, and uh, you know. Uh, a ferociousness that, that, you know, we, we might not think he's got now because he doesn't moan about a dodgy referee decision, but he clearly has that, as he says, to get to where he's got now. It's a brilliant journey. And I hope it does, um, I hope he does turn it around. Do I think he will? I'm not really sure. I mean, I, I just, I just hope he does. But at the moment, every time I see Chelsea, I don't see any particular progression. I don't see a particular pattern. Now, obviously, there is a one massive mitigate, mitigating circumstance is that he's been swamped by players. He, he probably didn't, did, well, not necessarily didn't want them, but, you know, he didn't go out of his way to get. He's been given player after player after player, right? 
fit Enzo Hernandez into your squad, fit Mudrick into your squad, fit etc. 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 Jao Felix, get him in. These are all good players, but you know you can't just expect to just you know throw a sort of Harlem Globetrotter style sort of team together and then say right, let's get them playing week in week out. I hope he does. I think right now it's and I know all the noises that we get out of Stamford Bridge are that yes, he will be given time. Yes, he is part of the the long-term future. He's part of the, in quotes, project. But, you know, you can, have a, you can have a serious a project as you want, but if you start going on runs where you're winning one or two games in, in 10, it, it becomes un- untenable. I think he's got a big few games ahead of it. I think he really does need to tear around um, um, the Champions League game against Dortmund, which they could easily do, I think. Um, and he needs to go on a run in the league. I, I, I really do think, think that... Um, Otherwise, I think the words that he's there, I don't think he's got a free pass until the end of the season. Let's put it that way. Not a lot across if if, if Abramovich has still been in charge, it'd have been gone weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, the, the two owners are so committed to him and they're both the, they're so committed to him and they're so, you know, I think there is sort of quite a, you, you can see, you can see a parallel with Arsenal sticking with Art and I think that's maybe what they're, what they're looking to do and say that, that'll, that that'll bow up. I'm with you, Andy. Really, I just feel as if the the the, the bigger issue for Chelsea is that they've got a set of supporters who are used to boom and bust, success, and perennial change. And frankly, you know, I, I you know the results just are not. You know, one one at West Ham is a game they should have won, and you know decisions go their way. Maybe they they would have last night. You know, l- look at the goal. You know, what on earth is going on with the goal and the defending or the lack of it? You know, it's just silly setbacks, but there has to be a rhyme and reason for that. It's not. Has to be. What, 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 what I would say just quickly is, is the top bird does have history, um, of, you know, very briefly, his Los Angeles Dodgers baseball team, you know, a massive, you know, one of the highest profile franchises in the MLB. They did um, stick with um, a coach. Who, who went through this sort of, a, a relatively new to the franchise coach who went through this sort of patch and they stuck with him and and he's been hugely successful since winning a World Series. So there is, there is actually um, a comparison there um, in his sports franchise ownership. And and, and I believe him when he, when, when a word gets back that he's going to stick by him. I just think the Premier League's probably slightly different and, and you know, when they see other clubs chopping and changing it and it might. That's home run anyway. I, I hope he gets to the end of the season, has the summer, to bed all these players in and crack on next season. Immediate problem Potter's got to try and solve, which would probably make things feel a lot brighter, is getting goals. We scored 23 goals in 22 Premier League games this season. Jez, Jez they've spent so much money in the market and they've, they've left themselves without a goalkeeper and without, without a centre forward. Um, um, you know, Kepa, Kepa is just not what, what they need. And frankly, it's ridiculous. I must touch on, I forgot the almost within the Spurs lot, just basically, you know, the two owners at, at, at Chelsea, you know, that the basically they've got there. You know, Spurs are obviously now a target perhaps for, you know, as a, a consulting thing. It is interesting, isn't it? It's always, you know, involving Americans. You know, clearly Americans feel that the Premier League clubs are almost undervalued, you know, that they can get, they can get more worth out of it. Hey, listen, my, my take on it for what it's worth is, is John Najafal. Uh, um, <laughs> I better pronounce Najaf. It's basically, um, you know, I just think that's all 
you know, I just don't see that one happening. I mean, he's been linked with Everton, went to an Everton game. I'm sorry, but he, 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 you know, when you're taking over and you're serious individual, news doesn't come out like this, I don't think. You know, I think it's clear that he's, he's wanted, it out, wanted it out there and doesn't take it. And then also, I think that basically Spurs would want so much more money because they're not in the market to sell anyway. And there's so much of that club to be developed, you know, particularly that they own so much land around the stadium at the moment that they're only sort of kind of halfway into the phase of regenerating the club and regenerating the area. Just don't see it. What do you, what price do you think it would take for Daniel Levy to sit around a table? Well, I personally think they're not interested full stop, but I think the, where they are interested in, in is investment to help them, you know, basically develop around. I don't always think the shared ownership or sort of divided ownership works. It just doesn't because, you know, if you get one disagreement, but I'll tell you what, there's and that stadium is sensational and to spend a billion pounds on that. And then basically you've got, then got huge events coming up in the future, which big money-making events, you know, Spurs are potentially sitting on a, on a gold mine there. So I do think that, you know, if Chelsea went for, what was it? Four point seven five was it off the top of my head? I can't quite remember, which obviously included a pledge and a package to turn the club around. So it's not actual, you know, flat price. I actually think Spurs could be worth that. And then some, and I think, you know, it would take that for them to even think about it and, you know, for, for be valued at 3.1 billion, which is actually more than the guy that's being linked with it, his own personal private wealth. Well, the sums don't add up, do they? You know, so. Crossy, your, your, your mate Simon Jordan said they should bite his arm off at the shoulder. My mate Simon Jordan. Well, so, I mean, Simon Jordan really knows about running a football club. I mean, it's, it's obviously it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Well, it's fantastic that they, you know, they always get him on because he knows, you know, the running of football clubs and 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 how to, and how to do it and how to do it brilliantly, just as he did. At you the- get more of him, Crossy, because he's just started a new column in a rival newspaper. Oh, was he? Oh, fantastic. I'll avoid that as well. One very quick one on ownership. It's funny you're saying about American investors, and I know obviously two of them are trying to sell their club, but at the thing the other day, you know, if I was trying to work out how many Americans sort of the involvement, you know, you just wonder sometimes if if there was enough clubs owned by Americans to actually carry a vote in the Premier League, it'd be interesting to see the long-term direction of it, wouldn't it? I was also going to ask you guys just about sort of kind of this weekend and, you know, Arsenal, I guess, reunion with Uno Emery and Aston Villa actually would be difficult opponents, I think, off the back of, you know, a couple of chasing defeats or setbacks, you know. They've got to be a reaction. Got to be a reaction. I can't, I can't read them, Villa, at the moment. I really can't. I've seen a couple of performances under Uno Emery when they've been fantastic. You know, I saw them beat, beat United. I saw them beat United at Villa Park and they were absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I think they've got, you know, I think a dangerous squad, but you know, they have some performances that just just leave you scratching your head a little bit. Um, uh, on any given day, though, at Villa Park, um, you know, now obviously it wasn't a given day when they were when they were thumped by Leicester, but on any given day at Villa Park, you know, they can beat anyone. I know that sounds a glib thing to say, but they've done it. They beat United. I, I was there when they beat a couple of seasons ago when they beat Liverpool. When they put seven past Liverpool in a day. So 
I mean, that's a tough game. I mean, it's a tough, tough game, I think. You know, as you say, no favours playing early on the um, on the Saturday. I think it's really tough. I wouldn't back Arsenal on Saturday, let's put it that way. Yeah, oh, you've got to expect a response from Arsenal, surely. Yeah, probably, you don't know how much you took out of them last night, do you? Emotionally. A lot. Amazing. They put a lot into it, didn't they? But it wasn't as you think it is sad. I mean, but they put a lot into it, didn't they? There is, is yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Newcastle, Liverpool, guys. I tell you, big game this one. Big game. You know, and 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 I just Liverpool. Well, Everton Leeds might rival this as the biggest game of the weekend, but you know, obviously Liverpool, you know, getting back to something remotely like what they're capable of. Although, you know, obviously beating Everton doesn't really count for much, does it these days, but if, if if Newcastle win on when is that Saturday night? Saturday five thirty. Yes, Paul. We'll see you there. <laughs> Newcastle beat Liverpool. And you can pretty much say Liverpool probably aren't going to make the top four, are they? You know, and Newcastle desperate points because they've dropped a few lately. So there's a lot there's a lot of stake for both teams there because Tottenham are I think a couple of points behind Newcastle. I tell you, we've not mentioned as well. I was looking at the table this morning. Brighton. What about Brighton? Oh, don't get cross. He started on Brighton. We'll be here all day. It's not out of the realms of possibility that Brian couldn't push for fourth. Well, n- now you are talking about seriously about how to run a football club. See, what? I just told you not to get him started on that. Oh. I mentioned Simon Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fantastic. What a football club. You know, brilliant. Just, you know, you lose Graham Potter and you think, wow, is that going to be the end? And they continue to sell the biggest, play- best players to make a huge profit. Just I mean, what, a stand, what a stand they took on Casino in the in the in the in the window. I mean, come on. Oh, by the way, there's a decent price for him, didn't they? Let's be honest. Well they haven't got well, it yet. Well, they haven't got it yet, but they will do. Yeah, yeah. 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 Point me obvious what they're gonna get. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean it'd already be devil's advocate, but they haven't won anything, but they uh... Well, duff, please. <laughs> you know just no, but they're overachieving, aren't they? They are overachieving. Well, you know, I did, this, I did make the point, though. I did make the point. I, I love the fact that they kept Kajido because, you, you know, it'd be really great if they won something. You know, I, I, We've had this discussion before. I'm not going to go over it. You know, if, if, if those of us of a certain age, when you say Brighton, you think, the first thing you think of is, and Smith must score. The the cup final in, was it 83? I can't remember. Anyway, in the cup final, Smith must score. And it'd be great, wouldn't it, if they had a real push and won something. It would be, it would be brilliant, you know. It will, it would be great. Yeah, it's yeah, it's great. You know, finishing sixth, seventh, uh, uh, and it's great. You know, you, you don't you don't put that in a trophy cabinet. And and I agree, they, they're they're punching way above the weight, doing brilliantly. That's why I'd love them to win something. And they, and they seem like, and obviously the people behind the scenes there, who we all know, are um are, are great operators. The only Tony owner Tony Bloom basically just you know I think his lifelong ambition there the, at Brighton, lifelong fan obviously is just basically. Love to win the FA Cup or reach Europe. If he's listening, I'm trying to get hold of it. But uh, well, it is. I can't. I can't. I'm, I'm trying to you know, don't he? And, no, it's no. Yeah, he's, he's big. He's massive horse racing owner and fan. I wonder if he's in Cheltenham Festival, you know. But I think, I think he thinks I'm going to see that, that. I want to speak to Cachedo or someone. But go back to Newcastle Liverpool. That's got to be a cracker. I mean, that that is going to be. You know, I think there's a feel. There's a feel around Anfield on Monday night that, that you know Liverpool had. had Sort of um, flicked the switch back, and they were like, you know, they were their old selves. I mean, I'm not quite sure that that's the case because, in the end, they were much about their old selves until until they scored that great breakaway goal. But they finished it on a high, and 
I mean, that will be absolutely rocking that place. Newcastle needs to score some goals, need to win some games, draw a lot of games. And the place will be absolutely flying for that game. It, it, it really will. I think, you know, I think, I think you're right, Jesse. You know, if Liverpool don't win there, then, then they can forget about the top four. And then if they don't win there as well, that will send them into a game, a massive game next midweek, home against Real Madrid, you know, not in, in, um, in the best with the best confidence. They are quite histories, aren't they? They've never lived for a Newcastle. Yeah. I tell you, we must just touch on, you know, Southampton and Leeds. I mean, Leeds, when are they going to get a new manager? Can they turn it, can they turn it around? Oh, I actually thought Leeds played quite well, actually, for 18 minutes against Man United. They played great in the previous game in the middle of last week as well. Yeah, so I, I you know, I, don't know. I, hope they, I hope they get out, you know, I really do. I just think it's, I just think it's such a dangerous decision to, to leave a caretaker manager of such an experience in Michael Scabala, who is the, effectively the under-21 coach, to give him the reins for the next month, maybe even longer, because they clearly can't get the man they want. I just think that's such a massive ask of someone when you're battling to stay up in the Premier League. It really is. But then, you know, we know how bonkers this managerial situation is because, you know, up until yesterday, we thought Southampton were going to give Jesse Mars a jump. It's a guy who couldn't, couldn't win a raffle at Leeds. Yes, fact, with a massive payoff, goes and gets himself another job in the Premier League six days later. I know it sounds like it's not going to happen now, but one fine was looking at what? He's absolutely crazy. Yeah. I actually, I, do you know what? I actually thought Jesse March would, 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 would be a decent fit and would give him a fighting chance because. Football is all about fate, right? And basically, it's just written in the stars that Jesse March would probably keep Southampton up at Leeds' expense and then he'd be heartbroken because, you know, he clearly had a nice affinity with Leeds, didn't he? So he didn't leave him. And they actually played to the next week. Leeds shot answered. It's been a Jesse March derby. I, I, I can understand a little bit, though, that, you know, he wants a, a long term deal rather than just going in there for three or four months. Because Jesse March is one of these managers who talks all about the. You know, the process, the project, the whatever, blah, 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 all that sort of speak. It's also a lack of faith, isn't it? It's a lack of long-term trust, isn't it? I have to say, I, I do, you know, Southampton file under another one across his favourites. And because, I do, you know, it's, an, it's a good setup there. It's a fabulous training ground, by the way, fabulous training ground. And, you know, they are, you know, ripe for success and clearly the owner's a bit more ambitious and want to see things. Just think if you look at the sort of the squad and, you know, slightly the decay of the level of the squad, it's it's a real worry. And I do, you know, I, I, I think that they're, they're looking increasingly like the most favourite team to go down in a way, which I think is a, is a great shame that they've, you know, recent seasons been a staple of the Premier League. And, you know, it's, I think it's going to be very difficult for them now to, to get out. And, um, you know, I also think it's probably worth noting that actually, Few people thought Ralph Ralph Hasenhutl, you know, I don't know, mixed views on him, but actually he did a really, really solid, good job at Southampton. And the, this season has proved that, I think, has underlined that. So so it's a shame, guys. But anyway, listen, thanks so much for joining. There's my little rant over. And I'll, um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks so much for joining. Guys, nice to see you all and see you again. Bye.